Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm Marva Hinton, coming to you from the Miami Book Fair. My guest today is Alexia Arthurs. Her short story collection, How to Love a Jamaican, came out this summer. Alexia, welcome to Miami, and thanks so much for agreeing to come on and talk to us about your work. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Your characters either live in Jamaica or they are Jamaicans who have found homes in the U.S., and you dedicate the novel to Jamaicans. Now, you were born in Jamaica and came to the U.S. when you were 12. What drew you to telling the stories of people from your homeland? I think, well, I hadn't gone back for a long time. So we left when I was 12, and I lived in New York up until I was um, um, 24, when I left for graduate school um, in Iowa. But living in New York, the people who I knew in church or my friends in school were all from the islands. So those are the people who I who I love most, who I feel most inspired um, by. And I think so. That's I think that my imagination always goes to that place and to those people. One of the topics that you explore in depth in this collection is the relationship between mothers and daughters. Uh, one story is called We Eat Our Daughters. You mentioned in another story that Caribbean moms want to eat their daughters. In another, you write that not all moms can afford to be kind. Why was this something that you wanted to delve into? <laughs> it's hard for me not to, to talk about this without talking about myself and my relationship with my mother, um, who I who I love deeply and who I do feel very close to, but a lot of our struggles in our relationship is, is because she has a she has certain expectations of me as a good Jamaican daughter, um, and I struggle with that. So the stories explore explore um, things that we've experienced together or things I'm still thinking about. You write from the male point of view in some of these stories, and they ring just as true to me as the ones where you're writing from the female point of view. Did you find that more challenging as a writer to convey things from a perspective outside of your own? It's funny because all of the stories in the collection that are written from a male point of view I wrote when I was 24 or 25, and I can't imagine writing those stories now. Now my stories are more female-centered, so I think that my interests have changed. Now it's harder for me to imagine writing a story from a male POV. Um, I think if you love a character and if you think, if you consider their lives deeply, gender or other differences don't don't matter, or at least that's my experience. Another thing that really struck me as I was reading these stories is the way you talked about color. From the very first story, Light-Skinned Girls and Kelly Rowland's a Kanye West lyric, we see that color is important to the people you're writing about. I mean, in another story, we learn the protagonist is a dark-skinned man married to a light woman, a woman he felt was outside of his league. Uh, in the story Slack, about a woman who got pregnant by a married man, we learn that she's dark and has two dark-skinned girls. A male character in another story is described as light-skinned and pretty. Another male character who also has light eyes is described in a similar way. Was this an effort on your part to make some sort of social commentary about colorism or how this affects people in Jamaica? Oh yeah, definitely. I th- skin color is, is very still very important in Jamaica in terms of how Jamaicans see see beauty. And I think that that's one of the, the lasting effects 
of the influence of the col- of the colonial power is that a lot of Jamaicans still value a more Eurocentric beauty. They they value um, uh, people who are light skinned. Um, I see that in my own family because my I have aunts and even my own mother is, is very light skinned and I see that I see how that works in my own family. So it was something that I th- that I've thought a lot about, and I I wanted to explore that in my stories. Another topic that you return to frequently is how your characters feel that America offers opportunity, but it's also dangerous. Uh, in one story, parents lament what the U.S. does to children. Why did you want to explore this sort of push and pull that uh, your characters feel when it comes to leaving the island? So I think about the fact that I that coming to the U.S. for my family, for my mother was important because she had left my father and she needed economic freedom, and she felt that she had a better chance of having that in the U.S. I don't know how true that is, but that's how she felt then. I think a lot about the fact that coming to the U.S. fractured my family, so I think that people immigrate because they have to, but I think a lot is lost, which which I hope to explore. I, I wanted to explore. One of your stories, which is you know really kind of a um, a fun story for me to read, is the story where you describe a character who has been compared to Rihanna, and you talk about you know how she's this big star, um, but she's from the islands and she misses being home, and it's it's just so odd for her living with being so famous. Can you tell me a little bit about how that story came to be? And as I was reading it, I'm like, this kind of sounds like Rihanna, but I didn't know if that's what you had in mind when you were writing it. Uh, when you were writing it, but later I read, you know, yes, you were talking, you were thinking about that. How is it that you came to write that story? I'm not really sure what the initial inspiration was, though I do love Rihanna, and. At the time, I was telling a friend I was trying to write this story about a pop star, and he told me that I should go watch the the Oprah episode where Oprah goes with to Barbados with Rihanna. And after seeing that episode, I was even more inspired. I was struck by the fact that Rihanna, as famous as she is, is still so tied to the place where she's from. Um, you know, she and Oprah were driving together in this car and Rihanna would stop and talk to her old neighbors and there was just there was just intimacy that that surprised and delighted me and I, I and I, I thought a lot about it and I'm still obsessed with how with how tied she is to home I find that to be really interesting so yeah I I, I, I wanted to write a story exploring how a pop star how a Jamaican pop star, who is in some ways inspired by by Rihanna, how she thinks of home, how her her relationship with her mom. It was a, f- a fun story to write, but it was hard. It was really hard to inhabit the consciousness of a pop star because I feel so distant from any of that. Well, now I'd like to just sort of uh, switch gears here and ask you a couple of questions about what you like to read. Uh, what was the first thing that you read that really touched you in a very deep way and sort of made you feel, uh, you know, different about either about yourself or about the world? The first book that did that for me was The House of Manga Street by Sandra Cisneros. 
I it was the first time reading a book. So the book is basically about a community, a working class community in Chicago. And at the time, I was a a kid in Brooklyn, and I was it was the first time that I read a book that felt so close to who I was, and to the kinds of people who I who I knew. Um, it's still it's still a very important book to me, and I don't. And she went to Iowa to study writing, so I've so I've always wanted to go. Um, I just I I have a great love for her and for all of her books. Well, now I want to ask you about some of your favorite books that you kind of go to all the time. You know, if you were in a situation where you could only read three books for the rest of your life, for you, what would be the three books that you would return to over and over again just because you enjoy them that much? Okay, if I had to go to an island by myself with only three books, I would... And so my interest, the books... I have books that I love, but at certain times in life, certain books feel closer to me. But if I had to pick three books, I would pick a short story collection, a novel, and a graphic memoir. And which <laughs> ones would that be? I don't know. Maybe the sh- maybe the short story collection. Okay, the novel would be Caramella by Sandra Cisneros. Um, whenever I read that book, it's always delightful. Uh, the short story collection. Gosh, it, I think it would be this book called. Don't Erase Me by Carolyn Farrell and the graphic memoir would be gosh there's so many I love but the one that I'm reading right now I I do like a lot it's called it's called Killing and Dying by Adrian Tomain I think I just butchered his his name but that book is is beautiful and what are you working on right now have you already started writing your next book yeah, I'm supposed. I haven't been as committed to it as I as I want to be, but I'm writing a novel um, that's about the larger Jamaican diaspora. So my first collection is about is is really interested in the New York diaspora, but this novel is interested in the larger diaspora in Toronto, um, in 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 London, perhaps in in Panama City, um, but it's still very much in the in the early stages. Alexia Arthurs, thanks again for stopping by to talk about your work. It's so good chatting with you, Marva. Thank you. You can find out how to win a free signed copy of How to Love a Jamaican on our website, readmorepodcast.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. You can also support Alexia and the show by buying a copy of How to Love a Jamaican on our site. And you can follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast and like us on Facebook. Join us again in two weeks for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton, reminding you to read more.